Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. Attention Red Sea. We apologize in advance for interrupting your pursuit of the new uniforms. <laughs> Hashtag tick tock. All the nonstop chatter that's out there and the mock-ups of all your Cardinals concepts. Okay, it's entertaining. There's no doubt. But if you don't mind Red Sea and you would be so kind, um, we're going to talk some football for the next hour, if that's okay with everyone, okay? Just maybe allow people to pace themselves a little bit towards maybe potentially, allegedly, ostensibly a uniform unveiling between now and the draft. Because, Ron Wolfley, there are two kinds of people out there. Yes. Those who saw the Cardinals' Twitter teaser video with the coordinates – and they drove out to the middle of the Snorn Desert looking for some evidence in new uniforms, and those who did not and who are willing to wait. <laughs> I'm not sure Paulie, which, you well, know, I'm I, guessing you're the latter and not the former. Yes, Paulie. Okay. I, honestly, right now, um, just whatever the uniform is, that's fine. Just give it to me. Let me put it on, and I'll go out and drive somebody into the ground, okay? <laughs> or yeah. maybe, Paul, get driven into the ground. <laughs> Because you know people are, just like the draft, people are overthinking these things because the Cardinals draft hats came out, Wolf. And you know the Cardinals in the new draft hats, it's in yellow. So people are thinking that yellow is going to be a prominent part of the Cardinals' new uniform scheme. Possibly. Potentially. Because because Jonathan Gannon's nameplate at the owners' meetings, his first name was in yellow, and then his last name was in a different color, so people are thinking, here comes yellow. Well, Paul, it is part of the beak, okay. isn't it? All right. So here we go. Interesting. What you're saying, you you mess with the bird. What is that, Wolf? You might have to. Oh, that's right. Right? If you mess with the bird, you're going to get the beak. There you go. You might have to bust it out more than ever. It's the Big Red Rage <laughs> presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, soon to be joined by Kyle Vandenbosch. You want to know about pursuing a quarterback and taking down a quarterback we'll talk to kvb we have a little bit of quarterback news coming up a little bit later here but right off the top ron wolfley how about the cardinals the offseason program begins with the strength and conditioning program and you know what we'll give first word to jonathan gannon here as he describes his first team meeting a lot of new sets of faces a lot of new sets of eyes and um, it was cool to talk to him the first time in person uh, very pleased with the attendance, knowing that it's voluntary. And, um, you know, the guys that are here, they, they uh, were here for a reason. They want to win. How big a moment is that, do you think? Not only for just the head coach, but everybody who was in attendance, because guess what? There's a new decision maker in town. Yeah, Paul, I think it's a big deal. I, I really do. Um, 
you know, there are two things I'd love to see as a former player, Paulie. Number one, I'd love to go into an offensive line room and watch the offensive line coach grease it up on the board. Mm. Okay, Paul, that's number one. The second thing I'd love more than anything else is just to sit in the back of, of a room and watch a brand-new head coach get up in front of his team and address his team for the first time, Paul. That, to me right there, is a salient moment. It is. It's a definitive moment for any organization when he gets up in front of the team for the first time because he's going to give you his culture. He's going to reveal to you what it is that he expects from you, each player. That's why I see that is a big deal, Paulie. It reminds me of what we talked about to start the offseason when the Cardinals were searching for their next head coach. And it was something that Drew Stan said on the Red Sea Report that there are plenty of head coaches who can grease it up, right? The X's and O's. I mean, they know football. But half of them are weeded out almost immediately, never get a second chance of being a head coach because, or it's not a long-lasting gig, because they're not leader of men. And, and that's what you need in that, ele- that head coach. That's what separates the head coach from a great coordinator. You need to be that leader. And, and so, Wolf... As important it is for the coach, I'm guessing, as a guy who spent 10 years in an NFL locker room and in those meeting rooms, the players are also assessing, okay, what is this head coach all about and what is he going to value in a team? Yeah, Polly, and of course, you only get an opportunity to make a first impression once. And that's why I, I was I was upset a little bit. I'll, I'll be truthful here, in regard to not everybody being there. I I think if you are under contract going forward with the Arizona Cardinals, man, I would love to see you attend that first meeting because you knew that Jonathan Gannon was going to get up there in front of the team and give you his view of what the new culture is going to be. This is a still point moment meeting as far as I'm concerned for this uh, franchise and especially for the roster and the guys that are inside that locker room that are going to be competing for those roster spots. So once again, this is his opportunity to tell these guys exactly what it is that he expects from them, Paul. And that, to me, man, if I were a player, I'd want to be there. I don't know about you, but I know I'd want to be there. Well, Hollywood Brown was there. We, we saw that. Kyler Murray was there doing his own program, his own strength and conditioning program. We saw his video of him in the squat rack, so that was good to see. No Isaiah Simmons from all accounts. James Conner was there. In fact, uh, Jonathan Gannon gave James Conner a shout-out when asked who impressed him on day one of the strength program. He said, James Conner looked like he could curl my body weight. That was quoting JG directly. And then Zayvon Collins, uh, he met the media. And, and, you know, look, a lot of these defensive guys are trying to figure out, including Isaiah Simmons, what does the coach have in mind for them? Here's Zayvon when he was asked what he wants his role to be. I want to do anything that exploits my talents and, you know, helps me be the best player possible for this team. Where is that? We'll have to see whenever we get rolling. So, you know, it could be hybrid. It could be just solely one position. It could be, you know, there's multiple positions that you can play, especially, I think, with my body type. So you got to be prepared to do that and do what the team needs rather than what I just want to do. And you think about it, Wolf. Okay, you think of Zayman Collins last year, the green dot, the Mike linebacker. But as he pointed out, he also played a number of snaps, a good percentage of snaps on the edge in certain packages by Vance Joseph, just like Isaiah Simmons was used in a half different spots. So, I mean, if you're one of these guys, I'm guessing you're real curious what the new coaching staff has in mind in terms of your role. 
Yeah, I, I am curious. Um, I hope that Zayvon Collins is the guy that's going to be kept at Mike Backer and he's going to continue to grow and he's going to continue to master um, this new defense that you're going to put in here. Um, I can tell you right now, I fully expect Zayvon Collins to explode, Paul. I, I think if there's one guy on the defensive side of the ball that I expect to take a significant step forward, it's Zayvon Collins. Now, again, his rookie year, I think we'd all say um, it was disappointing. It was disappointing because you thought maybe he was going to come in and he was going to make a bigger impact his rookie year than he did. That did not happen. But his second year, incrementally, he got better. Paulie, from the very first game of that season to the end of the season. Zayvon Collins, I thought, really grew an awful lot. I think he's getting ready to explode this year, and the reason why I Mm. say that is because of Jonathan Gannon and this defensive-minded head coach that is going to come in here, change this defense, and I think, Paul, they're going to challenge Zaven Collins. And I think Zaven is the type of guy that is going to respond in a very positive way to that kind of challenge. I think he's going to learn an awful lot in a brand-new defense, a brand-new system. But I think more than anything else, it's going to be new coaches and new voices looking at him saying, this is who we see you to be. Now go be it. And he has a realistic assessment of himself and his play and his performance so far. At one point during his press conference saying, I had to earn the trust of the team leaders. So a lot of these first-round picks think it needs to be handed to them. No, Zayman Collins does not have that that mindset. And as far as Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon goes, think about it. Two years ago when he came into Philadelphia under Nick Sirianni, they had a four win team. And two yes. years later, they were in Super Bowl 57 right here in the AZ. So if there's someone who's been there and done that, you know, re, just taking a team from four wins back to the playoffs, well, Jonathan Gannon was asked what it does take to get back to winning. In all operations, consistency, because every team in the NFL shows flashes or glimpses of, of winning or winning behavior, as I like to call it. you got to be able to do it consistently. And those are the teams that play in January and February. So... Um, that takes a good amount of time, depending what situation you're in. And um, but uh, with the guys that we have right now in the room, I feel good about being con- more consistent this year. Sounds like he's talking about work habits and just the approach to your job. And that's really all you can do at this point in the season on the NFL calendar. But he, you can tell he's really particular about how things are done. And what sort of intensity is brought to every aspect of the offseason program, at least so far? Yeah, Paulie, never forget this. Great players are consistently great. That's why I love the fact he emphasized consistent. Great players are consistently great, Paul. That's the reason why, I'm sorry, I look at Jalen Carter. Yep. I don't see somebody who is consistently great. I see a guy that is great every now and then, really great every now and then, and then just kind of average. That is a warning flag to me, Paul. Well, that's going to be a big question for Kyle Vandenbosch, a guy who went to Pro Bowls as an edge rusher and getting into the backfield. KVB will join us next. And by the way, that QB news, Trace McSorley, former Cardinals quarterback, signs with the Patriots today. And the Cardinals, according to reports, tried out Jeff Driscoll, seven-year veteran, 
and been with five different teams, Houston, the last couple of years. Because remember, they need another arm with Kyler Murray still on the comeback. Kyle Van Bosch next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. I think most people believe that it'll be Bryce and C.J. Stroud, one, two, in some order. And then the biggest question is, you know, well, obviously, who is number one? But then what do the Cardinals do after? And do the Colts feel like they have to jump up and get someone? Like, basically, like, do the Colts trade to three? Or is someone else going to trade to three and get whoever they end up wanting? Like, that's, of all the draft questions, now that number one has gone, what happens to three is probably as big a question as it gets. And the bigger the question, the bigger the potential payout is to the Arizona Cardinals if they're sitting there at number three. Because Ron Wolfley, once again, what has been the Calvisi consulting mantra from day one of this process in the offseason, AZ needs three. <laughs> three that's, vi- that's been it, Paulie. Three viable quarterbacks. So then you know what? The Cardinals do have that choice. They do have the choice of somebody coming up clamoring for a quarterback. Like, I don't know, Indianapolis, who has started a different quarterback in a season opener for seven straight years. You don't think they're desperate for their guys, so maybe just maybe they come up. But we've seen anything and everything in, turn of, in terms of the mock drafts, including this week. So, uh, Wolf, move over. Let's bring in Kyle Vandenbosch, former Cardinal, Cardinals analyst, KVB, now on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Kyle, you've been uh, maintaining yourself. We're two weeks away exactly from NFL Draft 2023. Let the anticipation wash over you. Oh, man, I'm pumped. i tell you what I'm most pumped for. Um, I'm pumped for mock draft season to be over. And then <laughs> soon after that, draft grade season to be over. Look, th- those two things are about as accurate as Calvisi predictions. So I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. You know, I'm, I'm a black and white guy. Let's just get the draft over with, find out who we got, assess them, and, and work with them and move forward. I, it, all of this speculation drives me nuts. No, I'm with you on that one, Kyle, 100%. And not only that, too, so much of the time, even some of the most acclaimed, most talented rookies, you know, they're not going to be able to make it in the NFL. <laughs> it's it's truly amazing. We've seen some massive busts, and especially from a player's perspective right now, it's one of the hardest things for me to do is look at a rookie and expect him to come in and actually change anything let alone everything. And it's because of how many failures I've seen. I don't know about you. How do you feel about that? No, you're right. And and to me, look, I, I'm far from being a qualified GM, um, but, but character to me matters uh, just about as much as the measurables. I mean, uh, um, again, I, you know, I know you guys have talked about this in the past, but, you know, I, I would have taken Aiden Hutchinson with the number one pick overall last year just because of, you know he's got a motor. You know he's going to show up every day in practice. You know the kind of guy he is. And, you know, the the more time passes, I think these GMs and these coaches get so enamored with measurables, with 40 times, with hand size, with arm length, with, uh, you know, trying to break down every little piece of film. Um, to me, it's the character. And with this coaching staff and with Jonathan Gannon, I think it is ultra important, especially since – uh, most of the free agent, um, either the, the players we retained or the additions or one or two year contracts. So you want character guys that have 
you know, the three, the four, the five-year contracts because they can be the cornerstones. They're the guys that can help build your organization. And, and to me, this team needs to first establish that culture. They need to have mm-hmm. guys that are high-character guys, high-motor guys that know how to be professionals. And then that's how you build the team first. You don't just add skill players and hope that the culture can develop within them. You bring in the character guys you establish the culture, and then you figure out where we need to upgrade talent. All right, so we'll get into the Cardinals here uh, specifically in a minute, but as long as we're talking character, we got to talk Jalen Carter. There are two kinds of GMs right now in the NFL. Either you would or would not take Jalen Carter in the top ten. Drew Stan earlier this week on the Red Sea Report said, absolutely not. What says you, KVB? I wouldn't either. Um, look, I'm assuming that I don't know this for a fact and I haven't heard. I'm assuming this team will probably be uh, mostly four, three, probably go in and out of some odd fronts. But, um, you know, I've always said um, the most important player in that four, three is your three technique. You need a dominant, explosive, disruptive three technique. That is exactly what Jalen Carter is. Now saying that um, again, you know, I think the worst thing you can do with as much change that this team has seen is is draft a guy and hope. Hope he matures. Hope he decides to make the correct decisions in the future when maybe he hasn't in the past. Um, and the worst thing you could do is take a guy with high expectations that sucks the energy out of the room, that doesn't always want to be there, that doesn't play with all-out effort on every play. And I'm you know, I'm not here to criticize Jalen Carter. Um, you know, I think I've played with guys that were not high character guys that were phenomenal players that were game changers. Um, but more times than not, they will fizzle out. Um, so, um, you know, I, I really respect his game. I think he he will, you know, he will probably be a dominant three technique or at least a consistent three technique in the National Football League. Um, I if I'm GM, um you know, with the inexperience that this team will have on the defensive line, I just don't know that I'm counting on a guy that has a bit of a checkered pass. Well, here's what Marcus Spears on ESPN had to say recently about Jalen Carter and just why he'd make an immediate impact. One of the things you talk about defensive linemen, especially when they're young, is one, how polished they are. At the point of contact, how much balance do you have when you're getting bumped by other offensive linemen and the trash and the things that are around you? His feet stays off the ground. He never gets stuck. And his lower body, his lower half, doesn't get knocked off of his path Hmm. to the football. That is immediate impact football players on the next level, and he'll be that for whoever takes him. So there you go, Marcus Spears. And look, Wolf, if the Cardinals trade down, let's say they make that trade with Tennessee and they're sitting there at 11, they might have to contemplate that scenario where Jalen Carter is by far the best player on the board, but do they risk the character investment? Yeah, Paulie, that is the big question right there, and I kind of fall with Kyle on this one right here. I just don't. I've just seen too many guys that had all the talent in the world and could not put it together. It really is the threefold nature of man, Paulie, body, soul, and spirit that has to be lined up and aligned to go out and actually have success, sustained success on the field and off the field. And because of that, 
once again, I would just say beware. Um, how many guys have we already seen, even in the organization? Robert Kimdichie was a guy that, my goodness, I, I where the Arizona Cardinals drafted him at the end of the first round, I felt like that was the that was the killer pick of that first round, and we all know how that ended for the most part and i would just say beware right now i want a football player's mentality i want football character and i'm sure jg probably is looking for the same thing and so is monty awesome for all right it's the big red rage here presented by santan ford and gilbert ron wolfley there paul calvisi joined by kyle vandenbosch kyle did you see the mel kuyper latest mock draft this week where he has the cardinals trading down with tennessee going from three to eleven and in return the cardinals get number 11, number 41 in this year's draft, and then a 2024 round one pick and a 2025 round one or round two pick. Would you pull the trigger on that deal? Yeah, it depends where uh, Will Anderson um, falls in their eyes. Um, To me, he's a can't miss. He's, he plays with consistency and, and, um, I think he can be that dude. I think he can be the cornerstone guy. He can be um, your difference maker on the defensive line. I'm not saying that this is a team that has a, a lot of holes. I mean, you lose, you know, maybe your top cover guy. You lose your top two interior pass rushers, um, and you know, you 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 can still upgrade a lot of positions on this roster. And with that type of gra- draft capital. Um, that you that you'd get in return, I think it would be hard to turn down. Um, you know, to me again, uh, with where this team's at, you know, we're going to be trying to fill a bunch of holes again next season and the next season with the one or two year contracts that that we offered in in the free agents that we signed um, signed. Um, I, I think we want some a little bit of stability. I think we want some rookies that we have some control that we can develop that will. Um, that we can build this organization around and not have to be in the same situation every year where, you know, we, we've got 30, 35 pending free agents and we're constantly trying to replug holes in the dam. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's where we need to get is, um, you know, at least have enough guys on this roster, you know, six, seven on offense, six, seven on defense that are, under multi-year contracts, and then, you, then you're able to just fill the holes in and, and possibly upgrade those other spots. Kyle, who are the best quarterbacks in this draft? Can you rank them for us, the top three quarterbacks, as you see it? Sure. Uh, well, let, let me uh, put an asterisk by that saying I hate quarterbacks, and um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a great – evaluator because my blood boils every time I sit there and try to break down a quarterback. Oh my goodness. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think Bryce Young will probably be the number one pick. Um, you know, I think everybody um, is trying to pick him apart, um, you know, because of his size. And, uh, but I, you know, he, I, I think he's going to be the pick. And then um, down the list, I think it, it'll be CJ Stroud. And then somebody's yeah. going to take, um, think that they can, you know, develop Anthony Richardson, get get him more accurate, and develop a game plan around his very very unique skill set. Um, and you no, know, then a couple more that really intrigued me are Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. 
Well, and a lot of analysts are saying that Hendon Hooker's SEC film far exceeds Anthony Richardson or Will Levis last year. So that I think he is a complete wild card in this draft, Hendon Hooker coming off the knee injury. What's interesting is Anthony Richardson, he visited with the Colts yesterday. He's going to visit with Tennessee on Monday. Okay, good. Those are two teams that could potentially make the Cardinals an offer they can't refuse. Will Levis is in Atlanta today. So we'll see about that if the Falcons want themselves some Will Levis. But getting back to Will Anderson real quick and overthinking things, Charles Davis's 2.0 mock draft came out today, had the Cardinals taking Tyree Wilson at number three. Chris Sims had Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson and a couple other guys ahead of Will Anderson. What do you make of that? And do you think the Cardinals maybe, if they're sitting there at number three and there's no potential trade offers and Will Anderson is on the board as everyone expects, do you think maybe they go another direction? Yeah, so to answer your question, what the first question, um, again, I think it's uh, people overthinking it. I think people are looking at measurables thinking that they can get more out of a player than they've seen in the past, which which obviously you do, you hope to do with every single draft pick. Um, but, you know, to me, uh, outside of the quarterback position, there's no bigger slam dunk in this draft. No, I, you know, I am not a betting man, but if I had to put money down on which player other than a quarterback will be a future pro bowler, it would be Will Anderson. I mean, he, to me, he checks all the boxes, especially he's not just a pass rusher, but in his pass rush, he's got such an explosive first step. He's able to bend. He's able to corner. He can close quickly. And in spite of, you know, it, it looks like maybe he could add more weight to his frame. He might not be stout. He's really good with his hands and he uses his leverage well and plays the run game well. So, um, you know, there's you can just look at what he did. You can look at his production. You can look at the fact that um, he was SEC Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row, which, um, you know, you're talking about the best conference in college football or at least the most talented conference in college football, and he's been the best defender at two consecutive years. Um, I, I think he, I, I think a team is getting too cute when you're trying to um, pick somebody or, or try to reason a way that another player might be better, more productive, and had a be- have a better career than Will Anderson. Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%, Kyle. It's, it's his football IQ and his football character that I absolutely love and want to see the Arizona Cardinals get out. I'm in the danger zone when it comes to Will Anderson. It's Will Anderson or bust to me for the Arizona Cardinals. I I want the guy that bad. Although, I will tell you, I'd like to see him trade with the Colts, get down to number four, actually pick up a couple of picks, and still get Will Anderson at number four. Well, you know what Adam Schefter tweeted to start this week, that, quote, at least six teams have inquired about trading for that number three pick. And then someone threw out there that Houston could take Will Anderson at number two and then go from 12 to three with the Cardinals and take the QB after Will Anderson. So we've seen it and heard it all at this point. It is silly season, there's no doubt. Kyle, thanks as always. We appreciate it. Have a good rest of your week. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert right after this. Get to the line quickly, snapping it to Murray. It's a play fake. Murray setting up, looking deep, now takes off, running to the right at the 35 at the 40, and dives to about the 44-yard line, a gain of three for Kyler Murray. And got an injured Cardinal. It's Kyler who went down very awkwardly that time as he tried to cut. Oh, no. Non-contact. He cut 
right, then tried to cut left and just buckled. And there was a Patriot player right there who called to the Cardinals sideline to bring on the training staff. I think we all remember where we were. I was right down on the sideline. It was right in front of me. Just the manner in which, in which he went down, it was so awkward. And I think it took a moment for some folks, but the sideline knew it. They knew it right away. And sure enough, a season-ending knee injury suffered by Kyla Murray late in the season. And he is now three months into his rehab, coming off knee surgery. And he, he very much looks like he is on schedule, if not beyond schedule at this point, based on what we have seen and heard. It is the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, special thanks to Kyle Vandenbosch. And, uh, you know, we let Kyle go because of his hatred for quarterbacks. And that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Right now, Wolf, and the whole Kyler Murray thing. So, okay, just give give me your thoughts on, on what the challenge here is. You're trying to hit the reset button on everything in the organization, yet you're missing your franchise quarterback for who knows how long. Just the uncertainty alone, what do you think that does for this team at this moment? Yeah, Paulie, um, you know, it's not good. That much I will tell you right now. You you would like to see him out there as you're trying to install this brand new offense. You'd like to see him be able to go out on the field and execute the plays. It's one thing to sit in the meeting room and get all the terminology down and the schemes, of course, um, to be able to execute those schemes. But it's quite another thing to actually go out onto the field and do it. And you'd love to be able to see Kyler do that. That is not going to be the case right now. And I think that will be the biggest challenge for him going forward to learn the system uh, in the classroom and then not be able to go out on the field and execute it. He's going to have to imagine the way that is like until he is able to go out on the field and do that. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for him going forward. And he has company in the rehab department, especially when it comes to knee injuries. Zach Ertz, Cardinals tight end. He was talking to the media today. He's also trying to make his own comeback this offseason. And Zach Ertz was asked about Kyler's rehab. Everyone's program is different. Some people have people squatting early. Some people don't. Um, Kyler looks good. He looks like he's in great spirits. Um, I don't know. I'm not a strength coach. I can't say how the video looked, um, but I know everyone loves seeing it, that he is attacking this thing, and I don't think anyone's surprised by that. He's talking about the video posted on social media, uh, Kyler Murray in the squat rack, right? And, uh, I mean, I know it exceeded my expectations at this point, (laughs) three months after knee surgery, and he's squatting a considerable amount of weight. So, But I guess my question is, Wolf – how different is his comeback just based on the style of quarterback he plays? A couple years ago, we saw Joe Burrow come back. And, yeah. and Joe Burrow, and it was a work in progress. He certainly was not 100% when he returned midseason for the Bengals, but he operated almost primarily from the pocket. That's not really Kyler's game. So what do you think that means in terms of his comeback? Yeah, no, that is the question mark right there, Paulie. It really is. Uh, There are no guarantees. I do believe that Kyler Murray needs to go under center. You know my take on this. I've talked to you about it many, many times. We've had this conversation, and I think it ultimately will help him. But whether he's under center, in the shotgun, or in the pistol all the time right now, the biggest adversary, the biggest nemesis of Kyler Murray is going to be himself. 
and what his brain is telling him. You've got to get over this. It's a hard thing to do. Every professional athlete that suffers a serious injury, and that's exactly what Kyler suffered when he blew that ACL out. It's a serious injury. You've got to mentally be able to get on top of it and overcome it. Physically is one thing, and it looks like, based on the footage we've seen, it looks like Kyler Murray is coming along with this rehab and doing it beautifully right now. And physically, it looks like he's healing. Mental is what matters the most, though. Mentally, you've got to get on top of it and get over it. When that happens for Kyler, we'll see. There's no MRI or X-ray. That's right. For your mentals, as Marshawn Lynch might say, right? So, yeah, it's a great unknown. Look, Kyler has been around the building this offseason a lot, and so he's investing the time in the rehab. Yet the Cardinals also know that he's not going to be available right away for an undetermined amount of time. So it is going to come up to the backup quarterbacks, right? And here's Jonathan Gannon when he was asked about QB2. Colt, I think he's, he's doing great. I mean, he um, gets a little extra work here and there, but he's ready to go. And um, happy where Kyler's at, David as well. So I uh, like where that room's at and where they're going. Is that going to be a competition between Colt and David? Everything's a competition. Let that hang for a minute. Everything is a competition. And I was sitting right there in that press conference, and we said it. I mean, he just it had a different intonation to it. It had a different look when he said everything is a competition. I'm guessing Wolf, uh, when in doubt, he's going to fall back on that in trying to reset the culture of the Cardinals. Yeah, Paulie, this is why it's it's so important that guys show up and they buy into the program and they model the culture that is going to be out there. He said that, Paulie, with so much conviction and said it without any hesitation whatsoever. But he also said it with, in a very matter-of-fact kind of way. Everything's a competition. Guess what is going to be part of the culture of the new Arizona Cardinals? Everything is a competition. And I think of Ken Wisenhunt immediately when Ken Wisenhunt came in as the first-year coach, second-year coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He really, that was a point of emphasis he brought to this team. And the team ultimately responded to that. But he made everything a competition on the field. And I think that's what J.G. is going to do on the field and off the field. Everything's going to be a competition. And I love the matter-of-fact way he said it. Including the quarterback spot with Ken Wisnunt, right? With Kurt Warner and Matt Leiter. That was a big-time competition. (laughs) Cardinals camp that year. So he referenced Cole McCoy, who, by the way, has a side hustle this offseason. He's an analyst on the USFL telecast. So Cole McCoy is going to be working on the USFL broadcast. So good gig for him there. He's going to be doing that on the weekends and then be an Arizona Cardinals QB during the week. David Blau, another other quarterback. And then we got news today, reports at least, that the Cardinals tried out Jeff Driscoll, 29-year-old NFL veteran quarterback, seven years in the league. He's had 10 starts, five different teams. Cardinals most definitely are in the market for another quarterback, right? Well, if nothing else, they just need another arm. Yeah, no, that's what it is right now, Paulie. I don't know who they're going to get, who they're going to go out and sign, but that's basically what they're looking for, definitely. It might not be just one. It might be actually two arms they bring in to camp as well, depending on Colt McCoy and how well he's healing and how quickly he's recovering. Um, But, you know, yeah, this is the way that it's going to go right up until training camp. Um, Get ready for multiple quarterbacks, Paul.
And you know what? Just the mention of Jeff Driscoll brings me back to the Houston Texans in the draft. Last year, they played Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, and Jeff Driscoll. Are you telling me they're not taking a quarterback at number two? (laughs) Come on! Of course they are! Of course Indianapolis taking a quarterback at least at number four, if not trading up to number three, when they've started a different quarterback in a season opener seven straight years. So I'm not buying all this other noise and smoke screens out there. By the way, the Cardinals' home schedule includes the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, Falcons, Bengals. How about that? Go to azcardinals.com slash tickets for all the season ticket info. We continue with the Big Red Rage. We'll talk receiver next. The 17-yard line of the Bengals. Alone in the shotgun with five wide. There's the snap. They rush four. There's a line drive throw near side. Leaping two-handed, falling down. Catch in the end zone. Caught for the Ram. Touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. Near side of the end zone. Leaping high. Bringing it down. Matthew Stafford has just thrown a 17-yard touchdown pass for the Rams. who take an early lead in Super Bowl 56. How about that? Kevin Harlan Westwood won that flashback. That was the thrill of victory, agony of injury for Odell Beckham Jr. in that game. The touchdown, he also had a knee injury that wiped out his 2022 season as he needed surgery. And now the big question is, all right, with OBJ off the market, what does that mean for D-Hop? As we wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Odell Beckham Jr. to the Ravens. A one-year deal worth $15 million guaranteed. He got the big money, up to $18 million potentially for the 30-year-old coming off an ACL injury that wiped out all of last season. Wolf, just the degree of surprise when you saw that transaction. Yeah, no, Paulie, I was, I was shocked. And, you know, we tend to think, I think, of OBJ as being this really young guy when he's 30 years old. Yep. You know, he is 30 years old. <laughs> And um, I honestly was surprised that there was this kind of resolution on OBJ when I think DeAndre Hopkins is a much better receiver. That's just me. I totally agree. And I I really wonder what it makes the other teams out there think about the future of DeAndre Hopkins. How much more willing might they be to get a deal done to pay the big money that, you know, D-Hop wants? but also give the Cardinals the compensation they seek. In fact, here's Adam Schefter about how he keeps hearing about D-Hop from all the fans. Listen, I've had a lot of people stop me at gas stations. Hey, the Buffalo Bills <laughs> going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins? No, they're not. They're not going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Are the Jets going to No, I don't believe they are either. And so there are only really a select few teams here that make sense that are realistic. And DeAndre Hopkins, I think, gets to dictate where he'd like to go and – Again, you've got to find a team with the space, the need, the willingness to compensate hours. There's a lot of factors involved. Everybody looks at it and just says, go get DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. And when you tweet something, announce DeAndre Hopkins. It's just not as simple as that, as great as he has been for as long as he's been. All right, so the difference between OBJ and D-Hop, obviously, is that not only do you have to pay him, but you've got to pay the team he's coming from. Sort of like the Sean Payton equation. If you wanted Sean Payton as a head coach, you had to pay him the big money, but you also had to give the Saints compensation in terms of assets of some sort. So if you're Kansas City, if you're New England, if you're the Bills, the Jets, Tennessee, 
all teams that reportedly have had interest in DeAndre Hopkins at some point, Wolf, how viable do you think it still is that between now and the draft, a deal is done? Yeah, Paul, it's a great question right there. But honestly, I still think because of D-Hop, because of his raw, unmitigated talent, I think he's going to be moved and he's going to be moved before the draft. Uh, if it's if it's um, the, the draft day, possibly, um, okay, I'd be open to that. I think that's a possibility. But I still think even before the draft, even the day before or the week before the draft, I think he's going to be moved. This is right now um, prime time. This is the peak of the draft subterfuge season right now. But I think D-Hop is going to be moved before the draft, Paul. Because I tell you what, a Calvisi consulting shout-out to Andy Reid and Bill Belichick and Sean McDermott. Guess what? This is a shallow weak draft in terms of receivers there is no certainty you're going to find a rookie especially who's going to be plug and play what's left on the free agent market it's really d hop and a huge step down after that so i do believe that somebody will recognize the value and will give up the assets and the salary needed to get a deal done so right now the cardinals have eight picks they might have nine or more just based on a d hop trade they might even have more than that If they trade out a number three, Wolf, as we're two weeks away from NFL Draft 2023, break down your best-case scenario or two. Yeah, Paulie. You know, for me, once again, what I'd love to see happen for the Arizona Cardinals, this is just pie in the sky, but it's what I'd love to see. The Cardinals trade with the Indianapolis Colts. They move back to number four. They collect a couple of nice picks, and then suddenly they draft Will Anderson at number four because the Colts want to move up to number three to get a quarterback. And whether that's C.J. Stroud or it's Anthony Richardson, who whether it's Bryce Young, we don't think it's going to be Bryce Young, but whatever it is, they move up to number three and they get one of those quarterbacks, maybe even Will Levis right there, and the Cardinals get Will Anderson at number four. Oh my goodness, Paul, wouldn't that be great? That would, would be, be a double so, ding, no doubt. That would be a double no move doubt. back and yep. still get Will Anderson. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. Then the other scenario is very interesting as well. What if Houston takes Will Anderson at number two right in front of the Arizona Cardinals? That means C.J. Stroud is still going to be out there, or that might mean Bryce Young is still going to be out there at number three. And that's when the number three pick goes right through the ceiling. That's when all of a sudden the phone calls start coming in and teams want to move up to that number three spot, and they give the Arizona Cardinals a boatload of picks. That, to me would be the best-case scenario because Will Anderson is off the board. The Houston Texans took him right in front of you. It makes it an easy decision to say, that guy's off the board. Let's go ahead and collect a boatload of picks, and then we'll draft guys. I That, to me, is scenario number two. How about you? Yeah, two years ago, the Niners went from 12-3, to 3 and they gave up three first-round picks. <laughs> right. And they took Trey Lance. So that'll do. I'll take that. Or what Mel Kuyper once again threw out there earlier this week that if the Cardinals went from 3 to 11, very similar to that Niners trade back in the day with Miami, that the Cardinals would get number 11, number 41, and then a 2024 round one pick, and then in 2025, a round one or a round two. <laughs> right. In fact, Mel even went a little bit farther, and he said, okay, he forecasts who the Cardinals would take this year, that at number 11, they would go ahead and take Tyree Wilson, 
At number 34, their own second-round pick, they would take the receiver out of TCU, Quentin Johnston, big receiver, ex-receiver. And then at 41, which they get from Tennessee, they would take that defensive tackle, that game wrecker on the interior D-line they need so desperately from Michigan, Mozzie Smith, 6'3", 323, with ridiculous athleticism. So you know what? And You look at that scenario, plus you get a first-rounder in 24 and potentially a first-rounder in 25. Yes, I would trade out a number three. Yeah, Paulie, that would be just killer if you could actually do that. But to me, again, Will Anderson, I I, I think he's a still-point player. I, I think he is a guy that not only impacts the game in a very tangible kind of way in between the white lines, but also intangibly. I think the intangibles that he brings to a locker room and the impact he would have on his teammates around him This is the perfect guy to build your culture on and build your culture around. And that's why I'm so high on him. But having said that, once again, if the Houston Texans are going to take him at number two, man, sell the farm. And once again, the Texans the last few years have run the likes of Davis Mills out there and Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll. (laughs) You can't tell me. Now, then again, D'Amico Ryans, we were talking about this earlier, were we not, Wolf? That D'Amico Ryans wants himself a Nick Bosa. You yeah. know that. And, and, yeah. and Will Anderson would be that guy. And Houston has a reputation of overthinking it. What did they do last year? They took Derek Stingley Jr. ahead of Sauce Gardner. <laughs> so the Texans do have a history, Nick Casario and company, of maybe overthinking and get a little paralysis by overanalysis. Hey, it's Season 6, Episode 2 of Cardinals Flight Plan. is streaming now via the Cardinals YouTube page. Go to YouTube.com slash Cardinals. Two weeks away from the NFL draft and somewhere in between, maybe even new uniforms. Special thanks to Jim Omohundro, Lauren Koble, Ferran Wolfley, and Kyle Vandenbosch. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.